Welcome to the BJJ Camps podcast. We've just, well, nearly finished a full weekend of leg locks with Mr Lloyd Cooper. Hello. Hello, mate. Good to be back. Good to be here. Second camp. Yeah. Enjoyed it? Yeah, good. Um, it's actually nice. My life's been that busy. Um, just spend, as I've got plenty of opportunity to get many hours on the mat. It seems like I've gone back for several years, just getting you know plenty of rolling, plenty of breakdown time, so... Good to be here. Good to see um, people who've come back for a second journey as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's always nice to get, see new faces, but people who are uh, happy enough to come back is a big plus for me, so can't be that much of a miserable bastard. No, to be fair, it's, I think, other than Ben, you're the first person that's come back and done two, well, a second camp, I think. feel privileged, mate. There you go. Yeah, I think Ben just kind of follows his own rules, so he just kind of does his own thing, doesn't he? So, as, it, as his, uh, his right as the King of Yorkshire. Yeah, he'd, uh, yeah. so we've, the second camp, we've done... Yeah, it's very, very different from the first one, actually. Sort of thinking... Yeah, it's, it's, I'm always very conscious if I go anywhere a second time that I don't want to cover the same stuff. Now, there's a lot of merit in covering the same topics because people will get different details, but... Mm. Really try to show some of the difference and developments in straight footlocks. So, like, the difference, I suppose, with the straight footlocks. I've focused on outside Ashy rather than 50-50 this time. Mm. Um, and try to incorporate um, the shotgun grip from Matthew Sizniewski. I think I've said that right. Forgive me if you're Polish and listening to this. Um, like, I've always been a proponent of, like, the shallow grip and the hip, like, the wrist-to-hip connection. Um, but then I've really, like... The last year took a, a bit of a deep dive on why and when to use that shotgun grip, so I've incorporated some of that. Um, and if you know, if you've been to one of my seminars before, the motherfucker number two, so the motherfucker one was a bad straight foot lock, and then the motherfucker number two is pretty bad, so that was good fun. Um, and I, like I said in the seminar yesterday, straight foot locks will continue to be really at the forefront of finishing in leg locks because everybody's shit scared of heel hooks. Yeah. Everybody's shit scared of turning the toes either the, all the way to the right or all the way to the left because of the risk of inside and outside heel hooks. So everybody sticks in the middle, which is fucking beautiful for straight foot locks. And I think as people's competency in defence goes up, you'll just see more and more guys getting fucked by straight foot locks, to be honest. And that look, that that's comes full circle for me. I started out straight foot locking 10 years ago. Yeah. Gone through all like knee bars, outside heel hooks, really focused on inside heel hooks, and it's coming back home again for me now. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I'm very difficult straight footlock. One, my flexibility, and two, it's all I played. It was like the only footlocks I looked looked at for ages, and yeah, you quite comfortably pulled my feet off a few times. <laughs> That's all I've got in life. Mm. I'm uh, I'm a white belt in everything, but I'm a, I'm all right. I'm, I may be a purple belt in leg locks, I reckon. But I may be, may be a brown belt. I think. I, I think the modesty is there more than anything. But uh... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, I think, if you could try and stay out in front of the latest leg lock meta, you know what I mean? Like two years ago, it was still very much do saddle, do 50-50. Then it was people getting into like 90-10, um, backside 50-50. Then yeah. it's like everybody's getting, you know, leg lock defences in vogue. And then now I think it's, all right, if you can transition after you've made your entry and then people are hitting that initial escape onto straight footlocks, that's where the next, you know, I suppose, it, you know, we always say it comes back in, in cycles, but I think bringing it back down to the simple, you know, yeah. mechanically devastating straight footlock, um, that's the thing that's going to be the, you know, the ongoing evolution of um, leg locks for me, straight footlock finishing. Yeah, I think 
we both finished straight footlocks very, very similar. Um, so it's quite nice to look at it. I think the, the difference is you learn all the heel hooks and all your other leg attacks in and amongst it, and I just kind of stuck with that. Even now when I'm rolling, I'll sort of enter onto heel hooks and stuff and play with that, but instantly, as soon as a straight footlock shows itself, I'm straight back on that. Yeah. Because it's just, it's ingrained. I think so. Um, I think it's important for people listening and... Look, I'm guilty of it, is posting fucking really cool shit to Instagram. Oh, yeah. But being really honest, it's the mechanics and the basics that get the job done. Mm. Entries are great. Like, you, you know, you obviously heard it yesterday, but one thing I say in all my seminars, right, is we all know the saying, in the right place at the right time. Now, you see these beautiful, like, inverted leg transitions landing perfectly in a heel hook. Mm-hmm. That's been in the right place at the right time, but life is not like that. You know what I mean? What happens when the guy stuffs your initial attack or you don't quite get the entry you want? So for me, it's if I continue to be in the right place at some point, it's going to be the right time, which means if I continue to dominate a, like, a leg entanglement and I'm comfortable enough to make transitions A to B, but I can stay on the legs without the guy escaping and running away, that means at some point I'm going to catch him. Yeah. Now that's what I think a lot of people miss is that they, they drill the entries cold on an on an opponent. They're just doing loads of fucking, you know, imanari rolls, imanari rolls, and yeah. then as soon as the guy makes, the, you know, he steps his foot back an extra foot and you miss it, then their entire game comes unstu- unstuck because they've not had, um, you know, they've not developed a resilience and had the game tested in terms of like what to do next when the initial thing's shot. So, you know, people need to be really adept at transitioning from leg lock A to leg lock B. Most important in all of this is just the control. If you can control the legs and control the entanglement, the finish will come after. Be good at controlling first, worry about finishing tomorrow. Yeah, I think we spoke spoke about this yesterday just in the fact that I'm, I look at the whole of jiu-jitsu like that in the sense that if I'm passing somebody's guard, and I mean sort of side control mount, my, my aim is to make it that miserable just in the position alone, just in the control, that the submission is offered as, as like a get-out-of-jail-free card for them. Yes. They want to fail safe. They don't want to tap to pressure or tap to being uncomfortable or tap to being stuck. So they offer you a submission as like a face-saving option. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I tapped to an arm lock. But really, you gave me the arm lock because you were fucking in absolute agony under the pressure. That's one of the addictive things for me in jiu-jitsu, though, is like you're forcing a human into a position where they have to capitulate. Like I always say, one of the... The things I enjoy the most, like it. I've done MMA. I did a very limited amount of sparring. Did tar, um, some tie boxing. Now, great if you can knock somebody out. That's a really cool, exciting thing to do. Knocking somebody out. But there's an element of the fact that they didn't want that to happen. Mm. They were still fighting, and in the moment until yeah. you took them out there, and it, and it was against their choice. Whereas, the thing I love in jujitsu is dominating a position so much that the person on the receiving end of it has no other option ha- than to quit and to say, I'm done, you need to let me out of this position. And that is what I is that is almost at the core of the enjoyment and the excitement in jiu-jitsu for me is, is exerting... And that, to me, is like the ultimate level of control. You know, yeah. like, not so much I'm a, I'm a control freak, but like... I am. I'll, <laughs> I'll openly admit I am. And that I, I get off on the fact that the control is, is so dominant in jiu-jitsu. You'll hear, um, we, we've all, we're all in sort of martial arts circles, so you'll hear Thai boxers, boxers talking about when they've lost a fight by knockout. Ah, oh, well, you know, he caught me. 
yeah, got lucky, he caught exactly. me. You know, I, I was. So there's always an excuse in it. But in jiu-jitsu, you, you, you can try and have that, but you get laughed at. Oh, yeah, he caught me in an arm lock. Yeah, great, but you're still fucked. He caught me in a strangle. You're still fucked up. It's like the ultimate expression of choice, you know what I mean? We can choose what to eat. You chose to tap. I chose, yeah, exactly. You get them, you put them in a position where they have to choose that tap or face destruction. So I think that's a really addictive thing for me. And even 14 years in the game now, still get enjoyment out of, you know, trying a new move, executing it and uh, against an unwilling opponent and then forcing that opponent into submission. That is, I don't know, it's, if you could bottle that feeling and the enjoyment in that fact and sell it, I'd be a lot dealer than a crack dealer, a lot more rich mm. than a crack dealer, I suppose. Yeah, well, it is. It's there's a a massive sort of dopamine rush that comes with it. It's anyone that tells you that they don't enjoy control is a very very strange person in my book. I can appreciate being the other end and giving up control. I suppose jujitsu attracts a similar-minded set of... Because let's be blunt about it. Because there's that non-compliant element of it and it's, to be, to be honest, fucking hard. Yeah. You know, especially... There's a high attrition rate in jiu-jitsu and if you, you know, you've got quite a competitive gym, you've probably got even higher attrition rate. Um, so, But I think the people that are left behind, you, you know, take pride in the fact that you're kind of a goal-oriented person, whether it's, you know, whether it's control or whether it's you know, enjoyment in the rough and the tumble, but I think you're a certain calibre of person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, don't get me wrong, there's, there's, a, there's an element to being free and having no ego and you're learning with your, your training partners or something like that, but I put an Instagram post on about this recently, you know. About uh, no ego. ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it. a good, it's a nice little read, that, actually. Well, I've, I've had it shoved out, well, we've had it shoved down our throats so much don't leave your ego at the door, and I completely disagree. Yeah, I think there's elements of ego, and I think ego is like an overall umbrella term. Yeah, like he's you score down. ego naught to ten, and ten being I'm getting my leg broke in the gym because I refuse to tap. There clearly ego is a bit of a problem. Yeah, but if you're at a seven and you're like you're willing to push your limits and try to win, you're probably going to develop quicker than the guy who's like I've got no inclination on winning. I don't care if I win or lose. Yeah. You know what I mean. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just think that if you're, if you've got in an investment in the outcome of and successful outcome of the role of the competition, whatever you do, you're gonna get better as a result of that. So yeah, I think I think you've got to be clever with it. You've you've got to have an element of ego over certain points. <laughs> I'm saying this, but there's loads of times I've been fucked up in the gym, not. Oi, oi. <laughs> But yeah, I don't have no ego, and I'm like my knees popping to fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, we're sort of looking at it from from the sense of if you're one of the lads in the gym that's counting how many times you've tapped the white belts throughout your session. Yeah, fuck that's that, fucking mate. ridiculous. No, how are you, how are you going to benefit there? I'll tell you what. Give up on trying to tap the white belts because it's a piece of piss. You've proved it is. It's meant to be. That's why the fucking white belts. Give them a good position and get out of it. Boom, that's the key it's, thing. You've got to be clever with it. Like, yeah, depending on who the person... Like, if I'm rolling with my comp guys then, and it's on an equal footing, they're really competitive, I'm really competitive, then we go for it. Yeah, we go to war. Yeah, of course you do. But, like, what benefit am I going to get out ragging the fuck out of a six-month white belt? That's, really? What am I pro- Like, 
even that at, that then becomes ego though because even you, you at, need yeah, that fix so belt. much that you're willing to fucking you're willing to com- expect competition from somebody who's not on your level and then get a, a finish from that so you you've hit the nail on the head what i do in terms of training with newer guys white belts blue belts i literally get them into re- let them get me into really really bad positions and that's how you work your, your tolerance to to getting submitted you know that's how I'm, my leg lock defense went right. I'm like, okay, yep, get yourself and you know, wrap your hands up on my heel, go. And then, and then that's when you should turn your ego down. You know what I mean? Do I let it break or do I? Okay, and again, score a seven out of ten on ego. I'm gonna push it. I'm gonna see where my limits are, but I'm gonna tap before it's broken. But yeah, it's not me escaping the heel hooks and then just destroying the new guy because there's nothing in that. I'm not gaining anything from that. No. Mm. No, and said so there's. There's always an element of, and it was much more of a thing when we started, that you had the mat enforcer that would always put the new guys <laughs> in the place. doesn't seem to be as much of a thing now. You know what, yeah, I remember it used to be, yeah, you had to smash the white belts and see who was left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, now it's much more, it's much friendlier. You kind of, you're invited into train, you're sort of helped out by the higher belts and it's it's better in a That's way. That's why it took so long to grow like I said I'm 14 years in and it was there's definitely more of a commercialised nature Jiu Jitsu you know like shit like intro classes white belt classes oh they didn't exist mate yeah exactly yeah it they was, didn't exist it was a fucking all levels class and you get the look of the drawer you roll with that's yeah. how it was when I started you know what I mean and, you know what I mean you'd be getting you'd be doing I remember when I started it was like there were guys doing gi guys doing no gi and then you, so you'd be in a gi round and then some guy would be like right I'll put my MMA gloves on, we're going to do ground versus pound. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. You've gone from like playing fucking spider god in your gi to taking shots to the face from, that's, you know, people don't know how lucky they are with the current structure and, you yeah. know, even nice facilities. The gyms I started when I went in were like underground sweaty fucking holes with like foam coming out the mats everywhere. Didn't get mopped very often. Yeah. And then now you've got like, Nice roll-out mat, so with tarps, and then you've got air conditioning, central heating, it's cleaned every day. Yeah. Most importantly, you've got great level tu- tuition rather than you're learning off a of blue belt and you're trying to figure it out. Yeah, we say I, I, I was teaching at blue belt, and I look back now and go, you poor bastards that learned from me back then. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, this the majority of the guys that did are, are still with me. But, yeah, the amount of times I've gone over stuff again in hindsight and gone... Yeah, I, I didn't know that technique then. Sorry about that. I, I showed you this this way and that were fucking wrong. I apologise. <laughs> the thing is, though, you've demonstrated, like, the key epiphany for me as a coach, right, is as a coach, you're not infallible, right? No, not at all. So many coaches make out they are. Like, no, 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 you've got to do it this way. This is the way I teach. Like, fucking, you know, teaching seminars, I get asked curveball questions all the time. What do you think about this? You know what I mean? Mm. What happens if you can do this? And like my honest answer sometimes, I don't know, but let's work. You know, what would you do if I do this to your legs, Lloyd? And it could be, well, 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 I've got a perfect count for it and bullshit people. But honestly, there's loads of times we go, I don't know, let's figure it out. If I don't know the answer to the question, work it out. out, I'd probably do this and I'd probably do this. And then you know what? I, I increase my own learning and then obviously reciprocally, I can spread that learning to my students from being, um, like I say, by accepting I don't have all the answers. But we've all been subject to coaches who act like a fucking yeah. pariah god, worship me, I know everything, my style of jiu-jitsu is the ultimate. Like, fucking, the amount of gyms I've been to over the years, not naming any names, but I've, you know, through jobs, moving and stuff like that. 
I've been to gyms where they were like, oh, you do that fucking, that, that fucking Berimbolo stuff. And I'm like, you're saying that because I'm fucking you up with it. Yeah. Let's be honest. And you don't want to learn it. Oh, it's shit. It's, oh, it don't, it's, it doesn't work. It's use, useless. Not, no, with respect, you know, you've got a pressure passing on top style and you have no competency to do that. That's why you're saying those things. And that, the thing that gets me is that there's always a, like a, with those sorts of people who have a closed mind towards new leg lock, uh, sorry, new learning in jiu-jitsu, it'll go, ah, oh, shit, no, nah, I don't bother doing that. Yeah. And then it'll be like, ah, well, yeah, you got me back, but, you know, I was just taking it easy. And then it'll be like, ah, well, I've got an injury, I can't roll yeah. with you. And then it'll be, I never roll, and yeah, just don't do that. And then they'll start to marginalise the people who've branched out the learning and stuff. So, and I, I understand it's, especially as a coach, when you are older, you're going to get tapped more and you've got to accept that fact. But on mm-hmm. the same token, you're going to get tapped a lot quicker and a lot earlier if you don't try and learn the things yourself. Yeah. But you've got to do what you care to your students to try and, you know, keep up to date with a lot of these new things. And, you know, like... I am notorious for being, a, in competitive terms, a sick guard. Because yeah. from a tactical point of view, why the fuck would I waste energy trying to shoot somebody down to still end up on the floor? But I've actively done bits of wrestling throughout my entire career. I was wrestling in 2008 at Next Gen in Liverpool. Yeah. So, you know... Every, you still done it. To, yeah, everybody tries to give me shit, oh, yeah, fucking you're a guard puller and stuff like that. But and I, again, I'm not very good at wrestling because I only do it maybe once a week most. Yeah. But I've kept my hand in that for over 10 years because it's something that my, co- my guys need to do. I could have just gone, oh, well, fucking why stand up and do wrestling when you could just sit down? Yeah. Because you know, that's what suited me competitively. I, I could have that narrow viewpoint and say, well, just sit down, guys. That's in the rules. Yeah. Fuck it. Why learn stand up? Whereas, actually, there's loads of good merit in learning things you are not very good at. I'm not very good at wrestling, but I still do it. Like, fuck, half my guys rag me senseless. It was one of my dudes um, of the week. Um, I'm not going to name his name because uh, he's in the military. But he fucking threw me about like mad. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he's much bigger than me, longer than me, but just kept snap down, front headlock. And, you know, as the coach of the gym teaching the wrestling class, I could have seen my arse there. However, I did leg lock him after, just as a disclaimer. <laughs> I leg locked the fucking life out of him after. But, yeah, I mean, I... Still, I'm trying, after 14 years, I'm trying to put myself in a position where we're still developing new stuff. We're still looking at different angles um, of jiu-jitsu and trying to branch out. And I think, you know, I always say to people, ask those questions of your coach. If they're not, if they're so rigid in the mindset that they can't accept new learning, maybe you're in the wrong gym. And I think, like, what was I going to say? I was just going to say a good... No, it's gone. No, okay. That's why I started doing these camps because I'm not a wrestler. My neck's fucked. Like, fucking two bulging discs in my neck and my nerves are irritated. Like, I, I'm not going to start shooting in and wrestling people because every time I've done it, my neck goes. So, I'll sit on. I'll do a little bit of stand up in the gi, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not bothered enough to risk being able to teach everybody what I am good at in order to do it. So, I make up for that by running camps with. Owen and uh, Cam and bringing in people that are better than experts. me. Experts. They said we've got um, a lad that trains with us who was a an international level judo guy. Wow. I'll learn stuff from him. You know, doesn't mean I'm then going to go and be a stand up wrestler. And I've got a couple of throws and stuff that I will do, but I'm never going to claim to be an expert at it. So I tend yeah. to 
where possible, pass it off to somebody else. Learn from them, they're better than me. Definitely. So the same, the same reason I do all the camps. It's been confident to know where you, you can um, where you can coach, where you can influence people, where you can guide people. And you yeah. know what, the, the one thing is, is like that old school attitude about, well, if you're training here, you're not training anywhere else. Like, Owen's just down the road, like, even to the point there was Ash Williams seminar and I was like, I put on Instagram, I was like, I encourage all my students not to come to my no gear class tonight and go to Carlson Gracie Hall and do the Ash Williams seminar, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of coaches wouldn't do that. They'd be like... No, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. I think it's it's very, very single-minded to... Yeah, to, to stop them or to encourage them to stay here. Yeah, I think if you can learn something... You don't have to like somebody to learn something from them. No, exactly. And, and I, I'm very, very open-minded with that. I, I'm not going to like personally... Everybody I feel, like, I feel like you're saying you don't like me, Sam. No, I like you. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, I do like you. It's, uh, that's why you came up a second time. But no, is there anybody like I don't have to? I just have to be able to feel like I can benefit from it. Your leg locks are much, much higher level than anything I've ever taught. Why wouldn't I bring you down to do it? No, oh, thank you, mate. It, it, it would be stupid of me. And things I've learned stuff from you. You know what I mean? Like, what I did the one of the moves yesterday. I was like. Is is like a combination of the shotgun grip, but with a foot combination. I learned from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's another thing. I, like people, most I'll always give props to where I pick things up. Like a lot of my leg lock games influenced by Lachlan Giles. But it's like no, no, no. I've, I've developed all of this. You know, like with the false reap. Yes, I've done a massive. I've done a big instructional on it, and people are like, oh, you, you know, have you developed all the false reap? I'm like, no. Like, I saw Lachlan Giles do it to Tarza in 2018 and immediately backstage I was like, how did you do that? What was that? So, yes, I've added things on the back of that, but the move was... Yeah, you can develop it. Yeah, you know, you add add things onto it, but, you know, it's Lachlan Giles' move. If I was a bit of a moment, I'd be like, no, no, it's my move. Yeah, no, it's I I do the same with with arm locks. Like, I've played arm locks. I went out to... Tenerife to train with Ben and Steve Gawthorpe in 2017 I think learnt arm locks there ended up on the plane back from there with my arm fucking throbbing like god knows what <laughs> going well that was fucking insane I, 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 was, I thought I was good at arm locks before that gone out there been completely like taken right back to basics learnt them all again from basics as a purple belt that I wouldn't most Anything I won prior to that was probably either an armlock or a footlock. Nice. So I'm like, yeah, and I got to that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't fucking know anything. Gawthorpe's meant to be a legendary on armlocks, though, isn't it? it? Yeah, and that's it. So I'll teach armlocks more than comfortably now, and I've, I've developed my own sort of setups and stuff off it. But I'll always go. It's all come from this that I've learned from Gawthorpe. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and say I've fucking reinvented the wheel. It doesn't work. It's interesting that you think. Where do you think you've developed that mindset from, like of continuously adding things in, and even something you're good at, adding to it and making it better. Uh, problem solving. I obsess over the problem solving of jujitsu. I don't personally. I don't actually like the fucking exercise. It's how I, you f- yeah. solve the physical puzzle. I like the puzzle, and that's 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 what keeps me entertained in it. I like the puzzle of it. Um, I just like beating shit out of people. <laughs> you know what? Fion said exactly the same. I just like the fucking puzzle. Like I, I really, really do. I sort of enjoy that. But I've had to constantly everything I've learned. I've had to adapt for myself to make up for my arm. 
Do you, that's an interesting question. That how much do you think your development has been driven out of overcoming? Like I wouldn't be half as good a teacher if I was fully able-bodied. Yeah, I, I openly say you think that. You're, yeah, you're, you've increased your ceiling and potential because you've, from an early age, had that mindset of developing your own way of doing things. Yeah, and I think there's often I'd go to, I'd go to classes and seminars and stuff and, and do the thing and do whatever technique it is and then get to a point and be like, well, I can't fucking do it that way. I, I, I just can't. It's not physically possible, but let me have a think and I'll sit there and I'll just work my way through it and I'll break it down and I'll try it on the other side and just and I'll eventually come up with something that might not be the same thing, but it's very, very similar and I get the same end result. Yeah. So, But then... A lot of what I teach now to my guys is developed off what I do. So it's slightly different to normal anyway. Nice. So they end up learning this slightly different version. And I'll show them the original version because I, I remember it. Yeah. I, I do have quite good retention for stuff like that. I'm quite lucky. It's not, again, not a learnt skill. <laughs> not a learnt skill. I'm always in trouble. Liv is always like to me, she's like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I can remember like fucking techniques like look this week isn't and this weekend as an example what is it gonna be like eight to ten hours with the content no problem mm. and I could, yeah. you know what and I'm, I'm cutting five or six techniques per session because i haven't got through everything in time yeah but then she's like do you remember when we went to this country park i'm like fucking hell no, no. can't remember <laughs> i filmed my head with jiu-jitsu she's like why can't you fucking remember that <laughs> I, we get the same we're sort of you're probably the same as me. You sit watching a TV programme with your missus and, she, and you go, oh, I recognise that person. And your missus will just go, oh, yeah, they were in this, 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 this and this that we all watched together. I'm like, yeah, I recognise them. I see. Oh, God. I don't, re- I don't remember stuff like that. No. But the thing is probably because you're saturating all of your memory with jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's got to be a... only a finite amount that you can remember. Yeah, you're filling up your hard drive and your brain with jiu-jitsu. As a coach, you've got to do that. Yeah, there'd be nothing worse than turning up going, oh, yeah, I know the topic for tonight was meant to be arm locks, but I can't remember what I wanted to teach. Uh, right, I'm going to have to quickly YouTube it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. So you... Oh, don't get me wrong. I've rocked up to a session knowing exactly what I want to teach. And I go, right, gather round, down on somebody. And I'm like, ah, my fucking mind's gone blank. Give us a sec. It'll come back. Yeah, as yeah. soon as it comes back, I'm fine. And I know exactly what I want. But yeah, just have them. I'm quite fortunate because I... My day job, I work at least an hour in car. Hmm. So on the way home, no matter what day I've had, I spend. It, it's nice actually to decompress because you've had a really stressful shit day. But an hour in a car, thinking of the technique you're gonna have to do and teach that night is actually quite a mind focus. You know, you, you're yeah. dropping a lot of this other stress out, and it's like, okay, so I know the topic for this week was this and this. Okay, so I've taught that bit, but I need to move on to this, this, and this. So yeah, it's a nice, nice thing to do. Um, maybe, maybe form of meditation because you're doing the mental recall but maybe that helps me now I'm, I'm only down to three days a week training maybe that helps me stay half sharp is the fact that i think i read somewhere that your brain doesn't differentiate too much between mental rehearsal of a particular physical move and the actual physical articulation of it yeah. so basically what that's saying is that you're still going to get the benefit of mentally rehearsing something because it's firing the same synapse or whatever it is yeah yeah now, i'm with you and i think Again, I'm not, I'm not a brain scientist, but I think 
the terminology I'm looking for, if you imagine it's a connection and the better the connection becomes, it, it's myelin sheath is reinforced. So basically it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine a pipe is like insulating that pipe. So if you're pumping cold material through a pipe and it's a fresh pipe and there's no lagging on, it'll get warm pretty quick. Yeah. Okay, and it won't do its job. But then the more insulation you put around that and you keep it cool and things like that, the better it's going to be insulated from the out, from outside influences and stuff. So yeah. Even if, let's say, you're not doing the physical move, but you, you're mentally rehearsing it, I think there's, there's merit in that. One of the uh, older guys that trains with me, it will, he'll come in and do a one-to-one, he goes, right, I was thinking about this in the bath. Thinking about this in the bath. And he's like, it comes up and he's just got this full scenario that he's played out to himself whilst just laying there thinking about it. A bit worried he's thinking about jiu-jitsu moves while he's in the bath. Yeah, Yeah. I've said this to him. What are you doing in the bath, mate? I said, so you spend an awful lot of time in the bath thinking about me, Mark. It's getting a bit worrying. So, yeah, Sam, I will think I'm in the bath, pulling pulling, uh, pulling me out. I mean, uh, pulling... I I was just thinking. Jesus. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's... I'll do it the same, sort of driving back from seminars and stuff, going, right, I've taught... So I've taught the guard retention stuff, but I'm very open with what I do. I'll go in, teach the basic structure, and then I go right. We've we've got that now. We'll do like half guard, knee slice pass, a couple of other passes. And I say right, give me some passes. Yeah. Because it's the same shit. It's the same rules that are show apply. me something you would do, and I'll see if I can apply this narrative to it. Yeah. And I've not had anything that's nobody's yet thrown anything to me that I've gone. Nah, don't work. There's there's one exception to my uh, guard retention pass rules, and it's the fucking the white belt pass where you just stand up and fucking fuck Punch. off, yeah. wag the wag the legs to the side. You can't apply the rules that I use because there's no connection. The thing is, it's I always say teaching people jujitsu right is like taking a load of people to, onto a field to play football. When they're white belts, you're just basically booting a, fall into, a football into the middle of the field and say, go on and play. And yeah. they're like, what the fuck? And they're looking around like, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. And I mean, you get to like blue belt and like, oh, right, okay, now, now I need to kick that with my foot and I need to kick it in that direction. Yeah. And then purple belt, oh, well, actually, you, you can kick it to me and we, I can kick it to you. And then brown belt, you've got an understanding, all right, well, there's white lines everywhere. So I've got to play within these white lines. There's tactics, okay, so I can play it to him. I can't run behind that team because it's going to be offside. Then we get to black belt level, you're like the team captain, you're able to articulate everything everybody does. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good way of looking at it, is that it's those build up of, the build-up of framework around um, around particular themes. Now, that's why sometimes black belts say it's hardest to roll with white belts, because they don't come for, you know, they're playing football, but then they're going to run through the fucking stands, disappear for 20 minutes, then come back behind enemy lines offside and shoot and, sh- and yeah. handball the f- uh, handball the ball into the net you know what I mean so yeah. they're not playing by the same rules that's why it's sometimes difficult well I've, I've, I always say to to everybody that comes in and starts uh, training with us you're, I, you're most likely to get injured either in your own first six months or fighting somebody else that's in their own first six months yep, because they're not following the same movements they're not moving correctly and it just creates spazzy movements, and you get that. <laughs> spazzy movements. I, yeah, I could have tried to say it in a better way, but it's just fucking... They move like idiots. Like, <laughs> I yeah, uh, I had to change it on my last grapple club instruction. I'll change one of the moves. Called it the ice cream scoop, um, because I called it the spacker sweep. 
<laughs> they so, made you change it? Uh, no, no, I chose to change it to something more politically acceptable. Um, you're a nicer person than me, I'd have called it. I suppose I can get away with calling it the Spack of Sweep. Well, better. I suppose there is that, mate. Yeah. We've got uh, into, into the Leg Drag, I've got something called the Spastic Clap. <laughs> right. They can't clap, they? they just fucking miss. <laughs> they miss. One hand on the outside of the ankle, one hand inside of the knee, slap. Right, there you go. Spastic clap pass. There you go. Straight to a leg drag. In a minute. <laughs> but actually, yeah, I think you've said before a lot. Of, you put little connotations to stuff, and it increases people's memory. Yeah, like my teaching style. I realise, as daft as it sounds, trying to become watching guys like Ben, very charismatic leaders, but people retain more for that period because they're not just. Right, you do this move, and you do this move, and you do this move, and go. He's telling you a story, and he's building it up with principles, and then real-life applications, you know what I mean? And, and as daft as it sounds, like, if I can get you to laugh and have a bit of a joke during the, the seminar, you're going to retain much more. And that's why, like, you know, making stupid jokes, like, I've stuffed his toes into my meat, you know what I mean? People are like, yeah. fucking hell, that sounds a bit fruity. Yeah. And people laugh, and they're like, all oh, right, yeah, I'm going to remember. It's memorable, you know what I mean? It does make a difference. It does, this... Um... I'll find the name of it. There's some Irish bloke who basically, he studied public speaking from nothing. He went from being the most nervous person in the world. His friend got cancer and he asked him to host this like gala that they were doing. So he studied public speaking and he learned it from comedians because out of everybody, they are the best public speakers. They yeah, keep they you engaged. they can hold you in the palm of the hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he sort of studied public speaking through comedians and broke it down to a point where it was then systematic. And it works really well to sort of follow those same rules when you're teaching. The thing is, I'll find it for you. I've seen them. so many jiu-jitsu guys who are unbelievable practitioners, but to be blunt, are social tards and are terrible teachers. Yeah. They don't know the reason why the things that they're doing are working and they have a complete inability to articulate that to other people. Like You've got a duty of care as a, as a coach to figure out different ways of getting people to understand whether it's saying words in different fashions, um, demonstrating the movement in different ways, get them to watch it, get them to feel it. You know, I mean, you've got to try all these different things. Yeah. That's your job rather than, I'm a fantastic competitor. Here's how I do it. Right, now where you go. Yeah, it don't work. don't work. It, just, it doesn't. If you've got a class full of 30 people, you might have to explain the same thing in 30 different ways. It's And it's as simple as that. And I think as soon as people understand that, they become better coaches. Let's hope so, anyway. Aye. Might, people might think I'm shit. <laughs> you know, do you know what? I think... Well, first person to come back twice bar Ben. Then I started doing these camps with I'm Ben. I'm an esteemed so company. That's it. Poppleton. There you go. Um, cracking. I think we've pretty much finished there. We can go and do our last session. Finish off with a bit of rolling and then... Uh, and then we're good. Going. Nice one, brother. Well, thank you for having me up. It's thank you very much. Um, good, good to always be back in Lakes. Good to spend... Many hours tuning people's leg lock games up. I know. My legs will be tender now for a bit. <laughs> Till Enjoy next it. time. Yeah, that's it. Wonderful. Thank you, Lloyd. And we'll see you soon.